From the Jesuits of Canada and the United States, this is AMDG. I'm Mike Jordan-Lasky. Welcome to our special Christmas episode. We're going big this year. It's our first ever episode with five people at once. The idea was to take turns drafting Christmas characters, and anyone was on the table. The shepherds, the angel, the donkey, Kevin McAllister from Home Alone, whoever. We each took two characters, and I really like the 10 Christmas characters we named to this team of ours. It's a wildly diverse group. And here are the four other folks you will hear with me on this episode in order of appearance. Shannon Evans is a writer and retreat leader and the spirituality and culture editor at the National Catholic Reporter. She is the author of the books Feminist Prayers for My Daughter and Rewilding Motherhood. Cameron Bellum is also a writer and a retreat leader, and she's our blogger in residence at the Jesuit Media Lab, which is a new project we've launched here at the Jesuit Conference and kind of an unofficial sponsor of today's episode. The Jesuit Media Lab is a hub for creatives who drink from the well of Ignatian spirituality. We have courses and webinars and resources for you. You can check it out on your creative journey at jesuitmedialab.org. Megan Leapsch is the communications manager for Justice and Ecology here at the Jesuit Conference, and you can hear her on AMDG every once in a while as a guest host. Eric Clayton also works with me at the Jesuit Conference, and he hosts the show often. He's the deputy director for communications here. So the five of us got together last week, and we drafted our characters. It was a lot of fun. I think we hit on the wide range of feelings and experiences that come with this season. And whatever characters you spend Christmas with this year, I hope your celebration is joyful and peaceful. Oh, come, let us adore him. Well, Shannon Evans, Cameron Bellum, Eric Clayton, Megan Leach, welcome to AMDG, our first ever five-person podcast for Christmas Spectacular. This is going to be either awesome or a train wreck, or maybe both. <laughs> going to do is draft Christmas characters. Now, I prepped you for this, so you have a list. So we're picking, making up a team of a 10, we're just going to get two picks, 10 um, Christmas characters that can be from Christmas movies or TV shows or songs or the Bible or whatever. And this is, a, it was a very open, so who knows where we're going to go. But at the end of this, we'll have 10 Christmas characters on our team of Christmas characters for Christmas 2023. And I should say too that we'll say this episode is being sponsored by the Jesuit Media Lab, which is a brand new um, initiative that we've launched at the Jesuit Conference uh, to kind of help network and empower creatives who are also Ignatian spirituality fans. And so Shannon and Cameron are really involved in that and Eric and Meg on our team are also super involved. So um, we'll drop a link in the show description so folks can go there and see the good work from all of us that, that is there and see how you can get involved with the Jesuit Media Lab. So um, without further ado, we're not going to do a whole round of intros. Um, we'll kick it. We'll go Shannon, then Cameron, then Meg. Eric and me will be the order. And um, our first round, we'll, we'll introduce ourselves and offer a, a Christmas wish, if you like. Um, so the, the first up, as I said, first overall pick. So there's a little pressure. You have really limitless characters to pick from. I'm excited to see what the great author, retreat leader, all around awesome person Shannon's going to start us off with. So take it away, Shan. Okay. I'm going to be honest. At this very moment, I don't know who I'm about to say. Because I have... <laughs> Because I have a list in front of me and everybody brings something different to the table and it's it's a lot of pressure to start this off because 
Mm -hmm. Nothing's been offered yet. So I'm like, do I start serious? Do I start funny? Do I start very, very niche? Um, I think I'm going to start with Mary. Um, because. Is that serious niche or funny? What? It's serious. (laughs) <laughs> Sarah, okay. well, I could, you could have done it in a different way. Okay, okay, a serious it's one. Serious because there is no Christmas story without Mary. She's kind of like the clutch. So um, I'm, I'm choosing her. I think that she's she's a good starting point. She uh, is, is uh, the matriarch of the season, and each of the going to start with. She needs to be on the team. So I'm just going to go ahead and put her first. Cameron, what do you think? Yeah, on board. Definitely no, no Christmas without, without Mary. And uh, maybe we can update it from the song, Mary, Did You Know, to the remix of that, which is, yes, I freaking knew. <laughs> I know, that song. Do Catholics sing that I grew up Baptist, and we sang, there's somebody doing that solo at the front of the church every year. Make no mistake. Do Catholics sing it, it, it creeps in a little, but not usually. I will say when we did a Christmas songs draft a few years ago, the the great Father Massa, who's down at Loyola New Orleans, picked it as one of his picks. And um, we had to explain to him why that might not be popular with the entire audience. I, I, I know he's, uh, we, you know, we let him do it. We didn't stop him, but um yeah, the Theotokos, the Godbearer. She knew what she was doing. Um, so, all right, she can be the captain of the team. That's a strong pick. I think she's a little predictable. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah, Mike. Go ahead, Meg. Yeah. I think I think she gets at the complexity of the season, right? Because, like, she, for me, as you will probably tell by my picks, um, not to spoil things. Christmas is like a little bit of a complicated season. It's like sad, it's stressful, there's a lot of anxiety, there's a lot of hope, there's a lot of joy. There are also like expectations that aren't always met. Um, So I feel like Mary encapsulates all those things. You know, she's nervous, she's waiting. There's lots of anxiety, but I think like also hope and joy all mixed in there. So I think it's a great pick. Now you have like your, your team jerseys are blue, right? That's automatic with Mary as a pick. Yeah. All right. We can wear blue, blue and gold. Blue and gold. Yeah. It's you know we're we're recording this soon before the the celebration of Guadalupe as well, so you know we can get a little OLG in the mix too with this pick because when you when you pick Mary, not like a specific Mary, all the Marian titles and and names come in. So we also get our Lady Guadalupe on this team. Yeah, she's um, she's right behind. Yeah. She's look. Yeah, this is an audio medium, but we can tell the folks out there that there's a there's a, a beautiful. Just imagine our Lady Guadalupe. Looming over, Shannon. All right, Cameron, your first pick. Okay, I'm going to go rogue here because I'm going to also discard my list and start in a different place because um, I love what you said, Meg, about the complexity of Christmas. And this is just to mind because we just lost Sean McGowan of um, the Pogues. So I have to say Fairy Tale of New York, which is this beautiful song that takes place at Christmas and it really runs the gamut of this young, the characters, there have to be two of them. It's a couple. So it's a young couple who are um, outside in the snow at Christmas, hearing the bells ringing for Christmas, hoping for their futures. And then, you know, things take a rather dark turn. Song opens in a drunk tank and um, 
somehow by the end of the song, they were blaming each other for their own failings and then somehow find that even in the darkness of their own lives, that the life that they've built together is something redemptive. Um, my favorite, my favorite Christmas characters and stories are the ones that let the darkness in. So, which is why I'm a Dostoevsky person and not a Tolstoy person. I love him too, but I like honest Christmas the best. So I have to put that one in. Um, so that was the McGowan was going to be my pick that ah, Meg was going to laugh at. Um, so yeah, he's, uh, the, I no guess you, since you picked the characters from the song, I could still pick the character from, you know, the person who wrote the song. Yeah. Um, so, so, his, so his funeral, which was last week, I was texting with Meg and a Jesuit friend about it. Um, watch it on YouTube. If you can, it was at this Catholic church in County Tipperary or he was from, and the, the homily, the pat, like the priest who did it is like a huge rock fan. There's all these, uh, eulogies and singing and dancing. It's like this incredible liturgical, uh experience so yeah. totally check that out um when you can um for sure so yeah that's my favorite christmas song as well so i say best pick ever we could shut it down right now but we'll continue i have never heard of this i vaguely heard of this funeral that happened that was really amazing but i don't even know what you guys are talking about right now. but i'm gonna go look it up yeah. it's so great yeah. it's a good love, yeah. cameron yeah you'll love it you'll love it's it it's beautiful when the like the that sweeping music comes in right before the chorus. It's so, and it is, it's a fan favorite in Ireland. So like the entire November through December, at least every night at the pub plays like twice and everyone screams, sings it. It's a very important song. Yeah, no, it is a, a classic, like an eighties classic. Um, okay, let's kick it to Meg. Your first pick, Meg, your backup. All right, well, I'm going to stick with uh, Cameron's theme of the complexity. Um, my first uh, character is Emma Thompson crying to Joni Mitchell in Love Actually. I love that scene because for me, it, it gets at like those heightened expectations of Christmas. And even if you are having a joyful Christmas, I think sometimes there's that like moment that you need to take to yourself and feel just kind of like all of that, that mix of, of things. Um, and so for people who haven't seen the movie, Emma Thompson is married to this man. You know, they have two kids together. Um, she kind of finds in his pocket this beautiful necklace and thinks that she will be getting it. Um, but instead, she gets a Joni Mitchell CD, um, and he has given the necklace to his um, his paramour. Um, and so she goes in, you know, on Christmas Eve, I think it is, and she listens um, to um, both sides now in her bedroom alone and just kind of cries. And then when the song is over, she wipes the tears and just like goes back out to her husband and her kids. And I think that is just like such a beautiful like scene of like all of those things that are so challenging about Christmas. Um, but also the kind of like wipe the tears off your face, get back on with it. And then she goes to like the Christmas play and it's beautiful and it's joyful. Um, so I really relate to her character. Yeah, it's a tough scene. I remember we watched the movie many times. It's just a very in a movie full of a lot of uh, different highs and lows of Christmas. That one is definitely, I think, the hardest to uh, sit through. But very real, as you said. Mm -hmm. totally. I, I think that um, 
that kind of space for emotion and yet self-sacrifice on behalf of someone else is really moving that she's it's about the children she's not gonna upset the children's christmas um she's gonna carry on for them um i think that's so i mean as a parent that's always what i'm i'm just hope the children have a good christmas that's all i really care about in a way all right thanks meg let's throw it to eric your first pick all right, so my first pick is going to be thematically different than the preceding three. Um, my first pick is going to be everyone's favorite Yukon Cornelius. Do you guys know who that is? Mm-hmm. All right, so Yukon Cornelius, as we all know from our no, I don't frequent know. frequent view. I, I know. I'm about <laughs> to. I'm going to give it. it to you right now. So as, from our frequent viewing of the classic Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer um, film, he was the uh, like the prospector who had like the crazy little mustache and he was a pickaxe. Yeah, and in my yeah. the copious amounts of research that I did in preparation for this podcast, I um I stumbled upon so you kind so if you so he's like always like throwing his pickaxe in the ground and like licking it, and you're led to believe like his character is matched with the song "Silver and Gold," right? Which like you know so silver and gold like someone else can sing it, um and so you're led to believe as a viewer like oh like this guy's after like gold like he's just looking in it for the money, um and then. What I learned last night in my copious research was that there's actually a scene from Rudolph that was cut um, where at the very end, he throws the axe for a final time and, you, and he picks it up and he licks the axe, which is like his thing, weird thing, and, he's, and it's peppermint. And you find out that the entire time he's been looking for a peppermint mine, which is different than looking for silver and or gold. But that scene was cut. And so you've led to believe that this guy is just like the embodiment of like Christmas greed and, and capitalism. Instead, he was after something like joyful and cheerful and sweet and delicious. And so I was like, wow, what a what a lie we've all been we've all been fed year after year until breaking news. That was a a deleted scene. Also, there's a great moment in that film where he like goes after the abominable snowman Yeti thing and just like takes him over the edge, which is very Aragorn esque from. Lord of the Rings when, right? Is that my right with that? When he takes a warg over the edge. And so I assume Peter Jackson was was crafting the the image of Aragorn after Yukon Cornelius's take the take the Eddie over the edge. So that that's my first pick. I mean, I don't know. My guy is armed with a pickaxe. He's after the peppermint. I think he's a strong, strong contender. Did anyone know amazing, or, or does anyone want to combat my my information about the peppermint thing? Because I, I could no, be persuaded. I, I think, no, this is like an interesting one, right? So like these claymation things that are classics, that's like, to me is like a great example of if you grew up with this or you inherited it early, then there's like this real connection because my my wife is someone who did watch them. And so now we've like shown the kids, but I didn't see them until like as, as an adult. So I like, this is, what, what, what are we doing here? But there's something that connects to like a childhood experience of something that even like, to, but that if you miss it, then you'll never get it. You know what I mean? I think there are examples of those, including my first pick when it comes to be my turn. Another movie like that, not, not to skip holidays, but the, you guys know the Peter, uh, Peter Rabbit movie for Easter, Here Comes Peter Cottontail? That's another like, crazy film, like kind of like stop motion, claymation action that like makes very little sense. I mean, but it's excellent, excellent film. My girls watch it every every Easter. I'm not even sure how you watch Rudolph anymore. I don't even know what like what I watch that on. But anyway, Yukon Cornelius. Well, I'm glad that you found a redemptive moment in it because I feel like my my memory of it is like, oh my god, this is so creepy. 
My it's kids love just, it. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Um, How do you watch it, Shannon? What's it on? Um, we have DVDs that we got like ten years ago, I guess. And so the only DVD player we have is in the car. Um, but it's perfect. It's like when we travel at Christmas, we'll watch it. We love it. I think we have it on VHS, but we have no player, so yeah, there it will, there it will stay confined to the uh, the tape. <laughs> Is there right, a part Yukon. where Yukon Cornelius like reappears because he's gone over the cliff with the Yeti or what the Abominable Snowman, and then he comes back like strapped to the Abominable Snowman's back, or am I, I making he, that up? No, you're. I think you're right. I think he busts in. I don't know. I did a little like clicking around on YouTube last night, and I believe he busts into like the grand hall, and he's like, "Here's the man, and here's the beast," and everyone's like, "Oh, the gasp!" And then he's like, "Not to worry, like we're we're friends now." He's that turns out he's a great, great traveling companion, the the Bumble. Yeah, Iconic. I mean, just it's just it's just nuts. Everything is is crazy about it. Delightful. All right, thanks for your pick, Eric. My turn for the first round, and I am taking Gonzo as Charles Dickens in a Muppet Christmas Carol. Um, for a few reasons. Gonzo is a great chaos Muppet. Um, and he plays Charles Dickens as the narrator. And I, I, what I love about that as a kid, seeing that movie in the front row, because we were there late at the cinema, I had to sit in the very front row. It's like, it's also scary, right? We talk some of these things like the ghost of Christmas uh, future, especially, uh, and then other ghosts it's, it's great, but he like provides like some comic relief, some lightness. And like, I think kind of holds a kid's hand into the story. So I love that role for him. I also love like as the writer, the character of the writer, as someone who likes stories like the story of the Christmas Carol and that they featured like the writer that way and quoted actually from the book in a number of places in the movie. Um, but like the yeah, the sense of this kind of parallel story that's become canon. But for me, then brings back to the Christmas story as its story itself and how like sta- a standalone story um like the the manger birth the, the going uh, to a place for like a census, the shepherds, the magi and the animals like so much vivid detail in the story um and so other great christmas stories point me back to to that one so i will take gonzo as charles dickens very happily i can't believe he was left on the board after the four of you went um with my first pick. <laughs> i love the expression chaos muppet because i think that's is he the most chaos muppet i feel like you have a couple more like chaotic yeah, muppets th- on the loose animal animal yeah. animal Swedish chef. Swedish chef. The old guys up in the up in the balcony. Yeah, I think yeah. definitionally Audic- Muppets are kind of chaotic, isn't that? Well, no. There's order. There's order Muppets and there's order Muppets and chaos Muppets. So like Kermit, who's trying to c- control everything. Um, there's a whole. I'm not making this up. There's a whole thing. I was like, is that true? I thought you made that up right now. I was like, that's great. You should write something oh, no. about that. No, no. <laughs> order Muppets and chaos Muppets. All right. I'm glad you brought up Dickens because Dickens really brings in the Christmas darkness. Um, and I'm gonna give a I'm gonna give a shout out to my friend brother Ken Homan who a couple of weeks ago he posted something about a Christmas story that the the message of which is quit being so greedy and stop exploiting your employees. Um, Ken who does a lot of work on um, union advocacy and, and and labor laws and I was like oh yes yes I'm on board with this. <laughs> All right, we're back around to round number two. So, Shannon, it's your second and last pick. So, okay. you know, think, think about it. Who sits um, next to the bench when, when the bench was Mary? You know, oh, I got her. I got her. Um, this kind of goes back to, like, what 
stuck with you as a kid, like continues to speak to you, even if it doesn't like speak Christmas to other people. For me, it's uh, Little Women and Joe March. Um, the opening scene when she's like, Christmas won't be Christmas without presents. And like, did I have that whole first page memorized? Yes, I did. I read that so many times. Um, but like, the, then later in the scene, they find out that they have um, a family who is living nearby and who's really hungry. They've got a lot of children. They're like basically starving and sick on Christmas. And so they give up their breakfast, even though they've already forfeited having gifts because of the war and everything. And they take their breakfast to this family and they just kind of share, share a meal with them and spend time playing with the children. And it's just, I, I have always thought it's just such a perfect um, picture of like what Christmas should be or the community and taking care of um, the needs of others whose needs aren't being met in society. And um, even like as a kid, that was just really stuck with me and it kind of balanced out. I feel like her, the, the beginning of her grumbling about not having presents is so relatable and then kind of um, moving towards looking outward and looking at someone else's suffering and realizing that that you actually do have a desire to to move outside of yourself and your own wants and connect with other people um yeah i feel like that was really formative for me as a kid i still really love that story I'm so glad you brought up Little Women because I very much debated doing Little Women as well. Really? Every yeah, every year for I think maybe the last like eight years, I've watched the 1994 Little Women with Winona Ryder. Winona Ryder. I love it, and I love that opening Christmas. They're singing like in Excelsis Deo as they're going like up the stairs with their little candles. It's so beautiful. It is. Yeah. So, what do you think about Greta Gerwig's? Do you like? I like Greta Gerwig's. I like it as, to me, I think it's, like, successful because it's sufficiently different okay. from the 1994. Yeah. Um, but the 1994 is still, that's that's my favorite. Susan Sarandon is mom. I just, like, I, I love it so much. My mom read it to me and then dragged me to see it as an eight-year-old at the theater. And I liked it okay, but so I'm just thinking, why is my mom crying? Aww. What's going on here? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so... It's like a weird, I feel like I was too young for that as an eight-year-old boy, mm. but I guess it was good. Maybe that's why I'm so sensitive. There you go. Um, all right. Um, Cameron, pick number two. All right. I'm going to, I'm going to take a, I'm going to take a heavy hitter off the board. I'm going to take the Grinch. Um, mm. a favorite um, for lots of reasons. Um, it's, that's the story that I, that I grew up with and my kids are obsessed with it. Um, they have it mostly memorized. We read it so many times every year. And um, I, there's this one page where the Grinch is, they were saying like, oh, we don't, no one really knows why he hates Christmas so much. But then the Grinch is complaining about it. And he's complaining about the whistles and, and toys and the noise, 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 noise. And I was like, oh, I, wait a minute. It's the Grinch just a highly sensitive person who is maybe a little um maybe has a little bit of sensory processing disorder possibly um there's there's room for us in in christmas to be to be overwhelmed um and i i i am a highly sensitive person which makes me sound like a special snowflake but just i it just means that you know my brain is a little bit special in how it responds to noises and things like that um 
but I, but I, I love Christmas and generally find it, find it fun. So I don't generally feel overwhelmed by it, but I feel like maybe it's okay to feel overwhelmed by Christmas. And, um, I also, I also have just been thinking as we've read it 400 times so far this December that, um, it's so much about inclusion and exclusion. And I love that at the end, the Grinch gets a seat at the table carving the roast beast and the who's down and whoville are not deliberately excluding him, but we all might do better to be, to notice a little bit more who's being left out and invite them in and let them carve the roast beast. Cameron, did you see there's a sequel? I don't know if it's like new this year, How the Grinch Lost Christmas. Have you seen that in Barnes & Noble? Oh, yeah, I think I saw that, but we haven't we haven't watched it yet. I'll have to put that in my No, queue. it's a book. I, I think it's just a book. I, I, we, I keep pointing, my girls are terrified of the Grinch. Um, and so we uh, we read it. It's like the book isn't even allowed to be like with the other Christmas books. And so I was like, I'd love to like read this book, but I, I never will until they overcome their fear yeah. of the Grinch. Um, so I'll never know how it ends. So you should... Yeah, that's valid. <laughs> My kids only watch the, um, I think it's the Illumination Studios one that's like fairly recent-ish. And it's very, yeah, I, was, I like that one. Yeah, it's it's non-scary. I think like my kids have never seen the live action Jim Carrey one. I think that would freak them out. Yeah. <laughs> but they like the cartoon version. There was I like a, sorry, go, go ahead, Eric. No, go ahead, Meg, go ahead. Uh, there's also right there's like social media discourse about the Grinch being like an anti-capitalist hero because he like hates all this stuff that is like typifies Christmas but then when he takes it all away the spirit is still there you know Mm -hmm. and that's what he like comes to learn so I know there is he's like very popular as like anti-capitalist okay all right I'm gonna. Re- he go. He breaks into people's houses and steals all I'm their stuff. I'm not saying he should do it. Like I'm not Robin saying that. I'm just saying like that on social Robin media, Hood. people identify with him as an anti-capitalist. He's not hero. giving it away to anyone. I mean, he has a conversion, and that's nice. But the th- like, I don't know. We're being too easy on him in the beginning. I think it's like the he is converted by the the goodness of the who's, and I don't think the goodness of the who he is. I don't know. I don't know. I think like this this Grinch rehabilitation has gone a little too far for me. <laughs> the pre-conversion. <laughs> Wow. So I think that's where it's like he's truly bad, which is why the conversion is beautiful, you know. Um, I do like reading it aloud because you get to try to like channel your, you know, it's do your voice. Because like the again, the, the original classic uh, Grinch, which was narrated by. Burl Ives, I think. Burl Ives. Yeah. No, wait, is it? I thought it was, Who sings the song? Oh, I don't know. Yeah. But it's a good um, one. That's. Yeah, well, no, the original, the 1966 television special directed and co-produced by Chuck Jones of Looney Tunes fame. I'm just reading the Wikipedia now. Oh, yeah, uh, Boris Karloff as the Grinch and the narrator. Mm. People are listening to this shouting at the their, <laughs> yeah. oh, why don't you know that it's Boris Karloff? No, it's like, it is like you know, the Frankenstein voice. Um, okay. Next pick. We are on to Meg, I think, right? Yep. Yeah. All right, Meg, go for it. All right. So you tell me if I'm allowed to do this, but I'm going to go with the theme of conversion um, and say that my second character is the ghost of Christmas future from A Christmas Carol, both from the book and from all of the movies. I think it's the most iconic character, very campy, 
very spooky, just points a finger, doesn't say anything. But like that is the moment, sure, like Christmas past and Christmas present are kind of like priming Scrooge to like think about things. But like that's the moment where he kind of like has his conversion and changes. Um, And for me, that was like my mom. It's her favorite. The 1984 George C. Scott, A Christmas Carol is her favorite. So I grew up watching that and being like so scared of it. Um, And there's also for Eric and Mike, who are also from the Philadelphia area, might know this. There's like an iconic Philadelphia um, tradition um, of going to the Macy's Wanamaker building downtown. It's huge. There's a light show. It's narrated by Julie Andrews. Um, but also upstairs, there's like this mini Dickens Christmas village that you can walk through. And it has like these 1980s like animatronics that are so terrifying. Like they're so scary. Um, and my grandparents talk about like bringing me through there when I was like 18 months, 20 months old. Um, and I just screamed the whole time <laughs> because there's like a door knocker that like lights up with Jacob Marley's face. And then there's this horrifying ghost of Christmas future. Um And yeah, I just screamed my whole way through it. But it's also kind of like a rite of passage, I feel like, for Mm -hmm. Philadelphians. Um, (laughs) To take their toddlers and just let them scream through it. Philadelphians are tough. (laughs) Exactly. That's how we got this way. (laughs) It is iconic. That is, you're right. It is. It is. No, yeah. We took our, our kids to that too, for sure. Yeah, exactly. Um, so it's a it's a very important. The entire story, as Mike was saying, of, of a Christmas Carol is really important to me. It's my favorite Christmas story in general, um, but in particular that kind of like that spooky element of Christmas. Um, yeah, and the and the conversion element really speaks to me. Well, the way you describe that makes me think now of like the that ghost of Christmas future as memento mori. Like you know you are going to die, and when you know you're going to when you become aware of your own death then like your life project, your life opens up in front of you and you think like, okay, like I have whatever time. So how am I going to change? What am I going to do differently? And so that is like that spiritual practice of keeping your death not too far, not like pushing it away, but like just kind of openly acknowledging it and then letting that change how you live now. So thanks for that reflection. Totally. Anytime. Love to talk about death and spooky things. (laughs) Yeah. Merry Christmas. This is a really Christmassy, yeah, very Christmassy. Yeah, I, feel like I, so I did just write an article about how my favorite Christmas movie is Children of Men, which is very violent, post-apocalyptic uh, thriller. So I think we're on to something here with this these themes of um, little little spooky, little sad, some redemption in there, though. Did Children some of Men take place of... during Christmas? I'm sorry? Did Children of Men take place during Christmas? No, I don't think it's acknowledged, but it's like this baby, the, you know, the hu- humans cannot reproduce. And so this one woman has a, is pregnant and then it's oh, the I, sense I of this the movie, child. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah, yeah, this child changing the world and bringing hope. Yeah, anyway, you can read my piece about it when it comes out. Um, all right, Eric, we're up to you now. Um, sorry, I'm not going to go spooky or um, death near, near-ish, but uh, my <laughs> next pick um, is Bernard the Elf. Do you guys know Bernard yeah. Elf from... So this, and I'll tell you why. So in Santa Claus. No, wait, who's Bernard the Elf? So in the Santa Claus, the Tim Allen 1994 film, oh, Bernard the Elf yeah. is the head elf, kind of a stickler for the rules. Um, right. Kind of walks Tim Allen's Santa Claus through things. He's like a little disgruntled with uh, with Santa Claus's progression. Uh, he's he's back in the second Santa Claus film, and then he's not there in the third film. And then um, if you've been watching the Santa Clauses, which is the Disney Plus 
original series, which is in its second oh season. All right, calm down, Mike. Um, <laughs> so Allie and I watched this last year, and we were so excited because Bernard the Elf is going to be you watched it without the girls. Just you and Allie. A hundred percent without the girls. A hundred percent. Yeah, Continue. obviously. Yeah. I mean, who knows what's going to happen? You got to, you got to, you got to screen this stuff. Um, and um, and he was only in like one episode. It was like the fifth of six. I don't want to spoil it, but um, but I was like, we were like reflecting because I was talking to Ali about this this morning. I was like, what should I pick? And she's like, you know, Bernard the Elf's a great character because we were both so excited to encounter this character again, and mostly to see because I mean, it's like like twenty years or something since since his first appearance. So the guy like elves, these elves never age; they're like children. And then this guy comes back, and he's like obviously twenty years older. And so like we're like, how how are they going to justify it? And so the whole storyline, he like appears in like the Yule verse or the Santa verse or something um, with Tim Allen's thing, brings him in there. Not to again, not to spoiler alert here, but um, but the whole thing is this this guy. Bernard had gone on this like forced elf vacation from the North Pole where you have to like live life and in living life he has this um encounter with like again like humanity and he loves humanity and I think falls in love and that means he abandons being an elf and ages and so like you could bring the character the guy in his uh without like CGI um de-aging anyway so I, I like that progression I would I'd be interested in that like storyline like why like what did the encounter that was like how 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 is that like I'm living in in like fairy tale magic, but then going into like very nitty gritty real world is what um, I gave it up um, for you know love and and whatever else. Um, but then to kind of come back and be this kind of guide character for Santa Claus um, in this like you know Yule verse thing, I just I just thought it was cool. Um, and I think mostly again back to that like what motivated us when we were younger. Like again, both Ali and I were like, it's Bernard, he's back. Like this is crazy. There he is, and um, like for no for really no no discernible reason our excitement um that's it so bernard it's like i always loved his hair the curls he did have great hair yeah, yeah. it's true it's like the barbie movie it's, it's like my the... contribution thank you Shannon. always sharp <laughs> right on there meg why is it like the barbie movie say more that's basically that's basically the same thing that happens in barbie right she has like mm-hmm. this idyllic life and then trades it for like human kind of like real life whatever that means so also, that... I am very, I am very curious. Like you just kind of like dropped the Yule verse as if that's like something. <laughs> oh, like, oh, let's is, go back to the Yule verse. What, what Pop the Yule that verse? in the old Google machine, and um, I think it's where all the Santas come together, um, oh. like across space and time. This and is like Marvel for Santas. It is, except for I think they've it's it's like linear. Like I think they've they've retired or or been like knocked off the roof. So. Um, which then factors into season two when they're like, well, how come this, the Mad Santa wasn't in the Yule verse? Is he still on the loose? I don't want to spoil it. Um, yeah. But what I hear, so it's a little bit like kind of giving up kind of godliness and coming into humanity. We call it like an incarnation story. Is that like, wow. Is Bernard embodying? There you go. You did it. And the podcast there. All right, everyone else waxes poetic. I drop one little spiritual thing, and I get booed off the stage. All right, that was beautiful. That was class. That was class. (laughs) Anyway, Um, I'm gonna. I gotta save us right now. Um, (laughs) You're done. You're done. Who knew? Who knew that there was a a series that they just can't? I didn't know there was a demand for more Tim Allen related uh, Christmas stuff. I don't think there was, but Um, I'm not upset about it. I'll be honest. It's it's a lot. It's 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 fun. It's not like too serious. It's very easy watching. That's good. Really, we could right, watch so it with Shannon, the girls. Shannon started with Mary, so I have to bring it home like a nice bookend with Elizabeth. I think because we we need to have this is this is a Catholic Jesuit podcast, so there needs to be a little Bible, a little Bible. I, I mean, you I, don't, I, you don't have to justify your choice. Elizabeth is a solid choice. Right? 
No, I'm just saying. Well, I have a lot, like, and we'll, we'll we'll do the the you know the lightning round in which everyone can oh. you know name the rest of their choices. But Elizabeth, I've always loved Elizabeth in the Visitation story, um, because you know Mary, as we said in the beginning, there's like some of that trepidation, and it's like oh, she goes to Elizabeth, and Elizabeth like greets her, and then like offers that kind of confirmation of her like her yes, of her like I'm not sure, and then Elizabeth says no, no, this is great. The child in my womb is also. jumping for joy and then it's right after the visitation with elizabeth where mary prays the magnificat right like this incredible prayer but she had that like inside her but like couldn't let it out like was still that that nerves and then it was that friend that cousin that close confidant who then gives her permission to like explode with that joy and that fire in the magnificat so i love elizabeth and i just think you know i how important like friends and f- close people are. And I don't know, I just have this like this desire for friends. I feel like it's hard in your thirties to like make friends and you know, um, so much of your life is for us is like with our kids. And so I like met people who could potentially be friends and I have to like not come on too strong, you know, like you don't want to text like right after meeting someone, you want to give it a few days to not scare them off. Um, but like, I just, so I love that the friendship and the, the, the closeness of those two, even though we don't see Elizabeth much. Um, she's such a, great figure in the story so she can be our 10th member of our team we were doing a um for ignatian spirituality project i was at one of their like advent prayers the other night and and can you just tell people what ignatian spirituality oh, yeah. so is? it's a um uh a, a program that uh assists people who have experienced homelessness or addiction um with spiritual resources retreats um, and other kind of spiritual support. Um, so that's a, it's an Ignatian Jesuit um, inspired work. Um, but so we were doing kind of like a, a large Advent reflection around this reading. Um, and something that we were talking about is, um, I forget which gospel it is that, that phrases it like this, but that um, Mary went with haste to visit Elizabeth. Um, and the idea of like her like running toward someone that she trusted um, with like all of that complexity at heart, the like fear, anxiety, but also like hopefulness, um, and like Elizabeth receiving her in a way that is possibly totally unexpected. You know, um, I think like that that trust is is really beautiful and, and lovely, and gets to what you're talking about with with friendship, um, which is I think like a big part of this season as well. If you want to hang with Elizabeth, and buy, she's only in Luke, so that's where you got to go to find your friend. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Anyone else got any Elizabeth reactions? All right, we'll go rapid round. So, well, first we should recap our 10, I guess. Our, our, so our 10, the 10 like on the team starting lineup 10, and then we'll have a bench. So the 10 are Mary, the two characters from Fairy Tale of New York, right? Um, Emma Thompson's character in Love Actually, Yukon Cornelius, Gonzo as Charles Dickens, The Muppet Christmas Carol, uh, Joe March from Little Women, um, The Grinch, The Ghost of Christmas Future from Christmas Carol. Bernard the Elf. Bernard the Elf from the Santa Claus Yuleverse. Well, the entire franchise, and the entire the entire fran- yeah. yeah, the entire franchise. So the Yuleverse, I, when I said Yuleverse, I meant also encompassing the whole right. franchise. Good. But I understand that that is a distinct thing. Thank you. Um, and then Elizabeth. So that's a fun that's a fun squad. So let's go a quick rapid fire. I'm sure you have others you didn't get to mention. Um, so let's just go in order again. Just empty out your your list, Shannon. Who else is on your list? Um, Michael the Elf. 
obvious choice. Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, I had Cindy Lou Who on my list because she kind of, you know, melts the Grinch's heart. Mm -hmm. uh, am I am I just going going or are we gonna... just yep yep no, boom, boom, boom. okay okay um, <laughs> Tiny Tim uh, <laughs> one of the ones from my eighties class but Prancer did anybody ever watch that that movie No Prancer it's about a girl who finds Prancer and he's like hurt she like nurses him back to health and I just wanted to be her so bad I don't even remember what the movie was about but it's just seared into my childhood so. Sounds like you just gave a description. Do you remember what the movie was about? And you're like, well, this was the brief plot line of the movie. I don't remember, like, what, you know, like, what, what is, How like, ended? the hero's journey here? I don't know. She just, like, helps the She met cancer. a deer. I don't know. She didn't Santa put it down. Santa comes at the end. Yeah. Mm, always. All right, good. Good list. Buddy the Elf, for sure. Yeah, I mean, he had to. Um, he probably shouldn't yeah, be on. on the bench. Yeah. No, I know. Well, we, yeah. Yeah, that's fair. But it was almost too obvious. It's like almost more obvious than Mary, right? Um, okay, Cameron, you can go through the next <laughs> Okay, well, I now everyone who signed up for the Advent Reflections knows that I love Clark Griswold and Christmas Vacation because he just tries so hard. And I love his uh, Christmas-themed um, blinders that he puts on that just nothing will get in the way of his Christmas, even though everything everything goes wrong. I like a Christmas where everything goes wrong. I think something always goes wrong. It's like a wedding, you know, at our wedding, the doors to the reception were locked and our tiny photographer had to kick the doors in. Something always goes wrong. Um, so I like that, but also I have to say, I think, um, I'm just going to run through the lineup of the December saints because December is such a fun time to be Catholic because we have the dismembered saints. And I was like, this is going to be a long list. Lucy is a December, dismembered December saint. Right? That is such December, a good point. December. Coming up on Wednesday, I'm going to make the saffron buns, but, um, we start out strong with St. Nicholas moving along. Then we have St. Juan Diego. Then we have Our Lady of Guadalupe. Then we have St. Lucy. Um, and it's just fun times. I, I like all of those people and the celebrations that they bring us. I got I to gotta put Francis Xavier on that list since we are sponsored by the Society of Jesus. So <laughs> oh. don't forget Frank. Don't forget Frank. Don't forget. I mean, I have a son named Francis. I really shouldn't forget him. <laughs> yeah, that's all right. Nice. All right, Meg. Okay, I got two. Uh, first, Good King Wenceslas. Who is that guy? Mm. Iconic. We all know his name. I looked him up the other day because I was like, who is this person? He's like a 10th century bohemian king. I think he's an icon of Christmas. Just he's so for good. Jim, Mar Jim Martin's favorite Christmas song. So you can ask him about King Wenceslas. Exactly. It's one of my favorite Christmas songs. Mm -hmm. As I you have know, no I idea what y'all are talking about. King, you know that King that once just last looked out on, on the feast of Stephen. Yep, that didn't help you. Nailed it. Nothing. All the snow lay round about, deep and crisp and even. Oh, oh. What? Sure, that, that's a real gap in your uh, Christmas. I'm just going to make a playlist for Shannon that is just like eight covers of Fairy Tale of New York and eight versions <laughs> of Good King Wants It Was. Sounds good. Send it to me, too. <laughs> You can't it's go wrong, out. honestly. Gonna, People may rather listen experience. to that than listen to this podcast episode. Just like those songs on repeat. Dangerous. Good point, Eric. Thank you. Yeah, so Good King Wenceslas. 
Um, and then also honorable mention in the spirit of Joe March, I think Snoopy. I know he's not just a Christmas character, but I think he, for me, you know, like my dad loves the peanuts. He draws Snoopy like all the time, just like little sketches. Um, so he's a big kind of icon of Christmas for me as well. Cheers. Agreed. And he makes, he makes peace with the Red Baron at Christmas. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. In song Christmas form. Christmas truce. Yeah. Um, quickly, so uh, Will Ferrell as Christmas present in the new, newish Apple uh, Plus TV, whatever uh, movie, Spirited. Um, and I love his song, uh, Ripples, because his whole thing is like, why are we trying to save like guys that are like, kind of like bad? We got to save like guys that are just like terrible. And then that like conversion moment has this huge ripple. So you can just skip to the end and watch the credits, uh, the credit song, because that song is excellent. Um, Max, the the Grinch's dog. I just love that little guy. I just feel like he's got, he gets a tough rap, but he does his best. Um, Linus uh, with the Snoopy theme. Um, in part because uh, I love Linus, but I just think the idea of like accompanying your friend to pick out a tree um, with the only instruction being like, don't pick a terrible tree. And then watching the guy pick a terrible tree and being like, eh, should you do that? And then be like, oh, well. And then walking back and be, and then just being part of the group being like, you're the worst. <laughs> insane. Like insane character arc. And then he's also at the same time like, but let me recite scripture to you. I love it. Um, and then and then the three magi, because I always think there's a lot. Just, I, got a little, I got a little Catholic in me, too. Um, I think there's a lot of there's a lot to be done with this idea of like um, being in a completely different place, different like, like cultural and religious tradition um, and like just looking into God's creation and just feeling pulled by that to like, I got to go deeper and find God at the heart of this. Um, and that's like kind of that story. Right. Um, so. I think that's I, I I that's those are some of my like favorite like nativity featured characters. Um, nothing mm. nothing against like the baby Jesus, but um, I think there's just every time I read reflection with the Magi, I'm like, oh wow, there's there's more and more depth there. I also had Linus, um, so good good pick on Linus, um, and I have the shepherds instead of the Magi, so Luke instead of Matthew. Again, those folks living on the edges who are among the first to see the newborn king. Um, dig the shepherds. Um, and then when you mentioned the Christmas truce, it reminded me of my, one of my favorite Christmas songs called Christmas in the trenches, which is about the Christmas truce during world war one, when they stopped fighting kind of on their own and just walked out and, and spent time in between, uh, well, yeah, the trenches, the front line. Um, and, uh, there's a song called Christmas in the trenches by a great folk singer named John McCutcheon and the character who does a fictional character tells the story, Francis Tolliver. And that is the way to make me cry at Christmas. You just put that on and walk out of the room and that is assured, uh, at least a tear, a good dad tear, you know, right here, uh, on the side for the Francis Tolliver. It it's a beautiful, um, it, no, it just kind of hangs, mm. but, uh, yeah. What happens I'm, if you I, put I, it on I, and you stay in the room and just like stare at you? Do you then not cry? Oh that... yeah. No, I probably will still happen, right. but it's, it's nice to leave a dad, let the dad kind of cry on his own, um, <laughs> when he wants to have that moment, uh, with some Baileys or just, you know, doesn't even need it. I, I don't need it. It's a very um, specific scene you're painting. Yeah, no, I know. Maybe it's happened before. Um, <laughs> all right. I think that's. That's pretty hard much, stop. <laughs> this is good. No, we have a lot. There's a lot of action here. We're coming under 45 minutes of, oh. of talking. So that's good. We're going to pass it right now. <laughs> if it would, I know we're passing it now and there will be an intro. Um, and we wondered at the beginning if this would be beautiful or a train wreck. And I, I think, I think the answer to that is yes. So, um, <laughs> wow. All right. That's uh, pretty good. No, but, uh, that's, that's well, it. Yeah. We deliver. Um, we deliver. Yeah, no, certainly. It's I think we did. Miracle. We did. We covered a lot of different thematic things. This Christmas is there's a lot of th- lot of stuff there, you know, 
And I'm so I'm grateful to all of you for for bringing so many different perspectives uh, through our list of characters. So Merry Christmas to you and to all of our listeners. And um, we'll see you in 2024. Merry Christmas. Bye, everyone. Merry Christmas. Merry Christmas to all and to all a good night. AMDG is a production of the Jesuit Conference of Canada and the United States and recorded at our headquarters in Washington, D.C. The show is edited by Marcus Bleach. Our theme music is by Kevin Lasky. The Jesuit Conference communications team is Marcus Bleach, Eric Clayton, Megan Leach, Becky Sindelar, and me. Connect with the Jesuits online at jesuits.org, on Twitter at Jesuit News, Instagram at We Are the Jesuits, and facebook.com slash Jesuits. Sign up for weekly email reflections by visiting jesuits.org slash weekly. If you or someone you know might be called to discern a vocation with the Jesuits, connect with a Jesuit vocation promoter at beajesuit.org. Drop us an email with questions or comments at media at jesuits.org. You can subscribe to AMDG on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. And as St. Ignatius of Loyola may or may not have said, go and set the world on fire. Thank you.